Good morning. It is good to have this number out with us for our first half of our worship service. This morning we're going to turn back. We're going to go back to the Old Testament. We're going to look at Genesis. We're going to look at uh, a promise, or inter- not necessarily a promise, but well, there was a promise to Abraham, but Abraham interceding for righteous folks. So we're going to look at that first, and we're going to dive into what happens to well, the result of this promise given to Abraham. Because God was kind of debating within himself, and he was saying, well, I need to tell Abraham what he's going to do, what, what, because he's going to become a great nation. So as we turn to Genesis chapter 18, we're going to start reading in the 21st verse. And I'm going to have to go fast. I've got a lot of information to cover this morning, but not so fast as you probably can't keep up. <clears throat> All right, here we go. Genesis chapter 18, verse 21. Now this is uh, the Lord speaking to Abraham on behalf of what he's fixing to do. I will go down now and see whether they have done altogether according to the outcry against it has has come to me, and if not, I will know. Well, verse 20 says this. You might be a little confused on what's happening. And the Lord said, because the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very grave. This is an outcry against God. We see this repetitively in the Old Testament. We see the house of Israel speaking against Moses, speaking against God, sinning against God, and God needing to uh, reprove them or to put them into punishment to have them corrected. We see that time and time again. Well, we see the outcry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great against God. But Abraham says something intriguing. But in verse 22, Then the men turned away from there and went toward Sodom, but Abraham still stood before the Lord. Now this is the two men that the Lord's going to send to Sodom and Gomorrah to make intercession with Lot and his family. So before we get there, let's look at what Abraham said in verse 23. But Abraham came near and said, Would you also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Now my mind goes to a, a parable that Christ spoke. He spoke of the, the, the parable of the wheat and the tares. Y'all remember that parable? That parable that the, that the new, knowing that the, the tares are going to grow up with the wheat, and then the, the sower said, well, let's just go out there and rip those tares up. And he said, no, no, lest you destroy the roots of the wheat, don't do that. My reapers will sort them out on harvest day, in, in a matter of speaking. So here we see Abraham making intercession with righteous folks in Sodom and Gomorrah. Keep in mind, omnipotence of God knows that there ain't many righteous folks in Sodom and Gomorrah. We see the depravity of Sodom and Gomorrah. We see their sinfulness in the scriptures. We need to reflect our sins with those sins. You might say, wait a minute, that's that was a horrible place to live. We made mention of that very briefly this morning in Bible class. We realize that The one little white lie that we tell is just as bad as the depravity or the sinfulness or the nakedness or the self-destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. That one sin, that that one little lie, that one little thing that we do that's displeasing in the eyes of God against His Word, we're in the same boat. 
We don't need to sugarcoat those little, those little things that we think, well, that's okay because I'm making somebody feel better. No, 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 no. God says all liars, does he not? He says all liars in Revelation 21.8. All liars shall have their part in the lake of fire. Even the little white lies and all the little, the little things that we, that we that sugarcoat something or the, the fish tail, all oh, those are lies. Whatever is not the truth is a lie. So we see Abraham making intercession for the righteous. I do the quotations, right? The righteous folks in Sodom and Gomorrah. Abraham knows that Lot is there. He knows that. So don't you think his mind goes to Lot? He says, well, I know he departed and he went his own way and I went mine and even gave him the choice to go first, right? Make your choice. So we Abraham saying, would you also destroy the righteous with the wicked? So okay, the Lord gives him this option. Suppose there were 50 righteous within the city. Would, oh, excuse me, Abraham says, suppose there were 50 righteous within the city. Would you also destroy the place but not spare it for the 50 righteous that were there? Far be it from you to do such a thing that is to slay the righteous with the wicked so that the righteous should be as the wicked. Far be it from you shall, shall not the judge of all the earth do right. Then the Lord said, If I find in Sodom 50 righteous within the city, then I will spare all the place for their sakes. Hmm. Then Abraham starts to wonder. You know, I hear about this place. It's not a good place to be. It's full of iniquity. It's full of wickedness. So we're not going to stop at 50 Long story short, right? He goes from 50 and dwindles down to 10. Abraham, suppose you just find 10. Well, first off, we see the, the number 50 comes to mind, right? First, Abraham says, well, let's say we'll just choose 50. And the Lord already knew how many righteous folks were in Sodom and Gomorrah. And he says, okay, if I find 50, I won't destroy it, in a matter of speaking, right? And Abraham says, well, okay, what about 45? Even if I find 45, I won't destroy it. What about 35? What about 25? Well, how about 10? All right. At the end of the discussion here, we see, hey, but what if you just find 10? Okay, if I find 10 folks there in verse 32, then he said, let not the Lord be anger, I will speak, but once more suppose 10 should be found there. And he said, I will not destroy it for the sakes of 10. So the Lord went his way as soon as he had finished speaking with Abraham, and Abraham turned to his place. Keep in mind, those two men took off towards Saul. They was going to deliver the judgment of God. Now we need to take notice of those words right there. The judgment of God. Now we see Old Testament time and time again where God imputing his righteous judgment on the wicked. We see that. Again, like in our gospel meeting, Brother Danny used an example of a New Testament example. And they were destroyed instantly almost because of their iniquity. Ananias and Sapphira. You remember those two? They lied to God, did they not? Again, all liars shall have their part in the lake of fire which, with, which burned with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. That's Revelation 21.8. So Abraham makes an intercession for the righteous folks who weren't there. 
all the way to 10, right? So we see the, the depravity. Time constraining, I'm not going to be able to read all of it, but we see that in verses 1 through 11. This instance. So we see these men want to do uh, harm or to know them carnally in a matter of speaking, and that was a homosexual act with these two men that come into the city. So we see that in verse 5. And they called to Lot and said to him, Where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out so that... so that I can't even read it. Bring them out to us that we may know them carnally. So Lot went out through the doorway and shut the door behind him and said, Please, my brethren, do not do so wickedly because Lot knew something specific about these two men. Lot entered him, asked, asked them to come into their home, and they said, no, nah, we'll, we'll just be in the courtyard. He said, no, 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 no. You don't want to be in the courtyard. You come into my home. So he says, I have two daughters here in verse 8. So now I have two daughters who have not known a man. Please let me bring them out to you, and you may do to them as you wish. Only do not do to these men, since these this is the reason they have come to the undershadow of my roof. Lot knew that they were going to do harshly to these two men. He knew that. We see them interceding with Lot because they want to do harm to Lot. They was going to do harm to him because they wanted these two men. And the two men struck them with blindness and Lot was able to get in. And here's the intercession, excuse me, the righteous judgment of God to Sodom and Gomorrah. So we see these two men speaking to Lot. In verse 12, Then the men said to Lot, Have you anyone else here, son-in-law, your sons, your daughters, and whomever you have in the city? Take, those, uh, take them out of this place. For we will destroy this place because the outcry against them has grown great before the face of the Lord. And the Lord has sent us to destroy it. So Lot went out and spoke to his daughters, his son-in-law. He's, he's trying to get his family members in order to tell them, come out, we got to go. They thought he was joking. They didn't take him seriously. <laughs> so we see Lot coming back to his home. But he lingered there in, the, the, in verse 15. When the morning dawned, the angels urged Lot to hurry, saying, Arise, take your wife and your two daughters who are here. Notice I didn't say two sisters this time. I said daughters last time, but I said, I said daughter. I meant to say daughters and sisters in my mind. And your two daughters who are here, lest you be consumed in the punishment of the city. And while he lingered, thus the men took hold of his hand, his wife's hand, and the hands of his two daughters. The Lord being merciful to him, and they brought him out to set him outside the city. So it came to pass when they had brought them outside, he said, Escape for your life. Do not look behind you, nor stay anywhere in the plain. Escape to the mountains, lest you be destroyed. And of course, time constraint again. Here's the nutshell, right? Or the cliff notes. Lot makes intercession for us. Oh, come on, don't let us stay there. When we go to the mountains, we're going to perish. And he says, Let us go to Zoar and the two angels the two men said two angels said okay we'll go to Zoar but notice the original instruction stayed firm do not look back 
Everybody knows the oil. If you're not very afraid, most Christians know the outcome of Lot's wife. Don't you know that was a sound? Go back to Lot's daughters, sons-in-laws, those who were living in their own homes, who we tried to get to come go with him. They was destroyed with the wickedness. They couldn't turn away from the wickedness. They could not heed to God's welcoming escape. So they were destroyed right along with Sodom and Gomorrah. See what sin does to us? God offers an escape. He offers an escape for you and I today. So don't we, we don't have to be destroyed with the wickedness of the world. We can cast it out of our minds. We can cast it out of our, of our very being. We can stop doing the things that's displeasing in the eyes of God. We can heed God's warning to know that his son is coming back. So we see Sodom and Gomorrah fixing to be destroyed and the instructions from, so from the two angels to Lot, his wife, and his two daughters to say, it's going to be destroyed. And don't look back. Again, don't you think that was a, a sound? Don't you think that was an event with God raining fire and brimstone down from the heavens and utterly destroyed this two, these two cities? Don't you think that was a sound? You ever heard of an explosion? Boom, boom. But you look around and see what's going on. The two men said, don't look back. Of course, Lot's wife does. Then the Lord rained fire and brimstone in verse 24 on Sodom and Gomorrah from the Lord out of the heavens. So he overthrew the cities and all the plain and all the inhabitants of the cities and what grew on the ground. But his wife, Lot's wife, looked back behind him and she became a pillar of salt. <clears throat> Just by that one disobedient act, right? She lost her life. Then he looked toward Sodom and Gomorrah and toward all the plains, toward all the land of the plain, and he saw, and behold, the, I'm sorry, that was Abraham. I skipped it. That don't make no sense. Verse 27, I apologize. And Abraham went early in the morning in the place where he had stood before the Lord. And he looked toward Sodom and Gomorrah and toward all the land of the plain and saw and beheld, behold, the smoke of the land which went up like a smoke of a furnace. And it came to pass when God destroyed the cities of the plain that God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrew and he overthrew the cities in which Lot had dwelt. Remember? If you find 50, don't destroy the city. I won't find. If I find 50, I won't destroy the city. 50 righteous, that is. All the way down to 10. He couldn't find 10 righteous folks in Sodom anymore. 10. That's a small number. That's how much people had gone against and totally against God's instructions. What's happening today? What's happening in the world today? People going against God's instructions by the masses. That's sad. The reason why I read that this morning is to kind of prick your minds just a little bit. This was just an Old Testament example of the, the, the righteous power of God. 
The reason why I say righteous power, God is a righteous judge. He used his law to judge those who are either obeying his law or disobeying his law. It's the constant, his word. We see two cities destroyed because of iniquity. This world is going away one day. We see here the inhabitants. The cities was overthrown. And so he overthrew the cities, all the plain, all the inhabitants of the cities. And what grew on the ground, the plants themselves perished because of sin and iniquity. What's going to happen to this world? You got a good answer? Even the elements themselves will melt with a fervent heat. And this old world will be gone one day. So if, and only if, we heed the warnings of God. Because we have an intercessor. intercessor. We have a Savior to save us from that very instance. You know who that Savior is? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ forgave us of our sins, those who have put him on, those who have committed their very lives to the service of God. Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 29. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. <clears throat> Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification. If you're unclear what the word edification means, it means to be built up. For that, for that it may impart grace to the hearers. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And in verse 32. And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Again, this was wrote to Christians. Paul is writing this book to the church in Ephesus. He's trying to encourage them to not fall away. He's trying to encourage them to put the ways of the world behind you because in this passage in verse 32, God in Christ forgave you. Are we forgiving one another? See how Abraham interceded for the ten righteous, 50 all the way to ten righteous and the world's not ten in the city. But God remembered Abraham's concern for those who were not ungodly, that is the righteous. And he allowed Lot to escape. Because you notice what Lot did with those men who were pleading for those two men who were in his house. Let him out so we can know them. Let them out. Lot said, no, don't do that. He was, gonna give, he was even going to give his two daughters, his two virgin daughters. Do with them what you want. No, we want the men. And it was going to do harm to him until they came out. But God again interceded. And his righteous judgment was sealed. But it was sealed with fire and brimstone. 
in Ephesians 5, verse 1. Since God forgave us through Christ, since Christ forgave us, therefore be imitators of God as dear children. Do you know what an imitator is? An imitator is someone who looks like someone. The someone who we should look like is God. Do we know the characteristics of God? Well, He's got grace. He's very holy. Do we have just those two characteristics? Are we imitating God? I seriously hope that we are. Because we see the outcome there in Sodom and Gomorrah for those who were not imitating God. Living a life of wickedness and living a life of iniquity resulted in their deaths. Do we know what the wages of sin is? We made mention of that this morning in Bible class. The wages of sin is death. So why would we not be imitators of God? Why would we be consumed with sin? Because he is ready, willing, and able to forgive us of those sins if we, if we do our part. As his children, we have instructions on how to get rid of our sins. First Peter chapter 1, verse 13. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lust as in your ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Because it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on the Father without partiality, judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in fear, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by traditions from your fathers. You were redeemed, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot. My question to you this morning, Lot, in a matter of speaking, was redeemed. He wasn't destroyed with Sodom and Gomorrah. He wasn't. He was allowed to escape. Oh, but his wife wasn't redeemed because she didn't full, follow the full instructions from God. Well, the two angels' message came from God. She didn't. She turned around and looked. She lost her life. How do you think Abraham felt when he looked at the city and seen the smoke coming up from the land? Do you think he was concerned about Lot and his family? Do you think he thought, well, there wasn't even ten righteous folks in the city? We need to look within ourselves. Know that we are redeemed by the blood that was shed upon that cross. My question to you, are you redeemed? Do you have the blood of Jesus Christ? Do you have that access? We only get that access through baptism. Washing your sins away. Putting him on. And starting your spiritual walk. Have you done that? And if you have done that in the past, whether it be one day or a hundred years, are you still that faithful child that you should be?
Are you imitating God in your daily walk? Are you walking in the light as God Himself is in the light? 1 John 1, 7. Are we doing those things that are pleasing? If not, if Satan has tempted you, if you've swayed, if you've gone along with him, James encourages us to draw near to God. In doing so, Satan will flee from us. Do we need to draw near this morning by confessing our sins? Asking God to forgive us of those sins as, as we repent of those things? Do we need to confess? Most assuredly when we do. Because like we said this morning in Bible class, none of us are perfect. We need the blood of Jesus Christ continuously to get remission of sin, to get forgiveness. Do you need to be immersed? Do you need to be baptized for the remission of your sins? Why wait? Like this morning's example, I'm waiting to be ready. I'm, I'm waiting to be perfect. Well, you're never going to be perfect. Nobody's perfect except Jesus Christ, except God. That's the only being that's ever been perfect. Christ taking on flesh even didn't want to be called good. If you're waiting for that, you're waiting for the wrong reason. Why wait? Because our Lord and Savior is coming back. Life is fleeting. It says the grass of the field, it burns and withers up when the sun comes up. It's like the, the mist in the morning. It's The sun comes up and it's gone. That vapor don't last long, does it? Our lives don't last that long neither compared to eternity. Are you ready to meet our Lord and Savior? Do you have Him on? Are you justified this morning? If not, let's get justified as we stand and as we sing the song of invitation.